At one time, Cosmopolitan Magazine was just a typical woman's 1960s magazine, loaded with articles on how to keep your marriage intact and your husband happy by preparing the perfect meatloaf for him to enjoy after a hard day at work. But all that changed in 1965 under the leadership of Helen Gurley Brown, when Cosmo morphed from a proper woman's magazine, written by men, to a much racier version. She got rid of stories about why it was a good idea to wait until the third date before kissing a boy, and instead had stories on the best position for giving and getting oral sex. Many complain that Cosmo is nothing more than a sex manual disguised as a woman's magazine. Sales exploded. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause, midlife, and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. When Helen Gurley Brown died at age 90, the New York Times wrote, Helen Gurley Brown, who as the author of Sex and the Single Girl, shocked early 1960s America with the news that unmarried women not only had sex, but thoroughly enjoyed it. The typical Cosmo reader was a single woman in her 20s, but things have changed. Women who grew up sneaking a copy when their parents weren't around are now grandparents who have their own subscriptions. So it's appropriate and very cool that Cosmopolitan has just published a groundbreaking article titled Sex After 60, based on research that was done in collaboration with the renowned Kinsey Institute of Sexual Research. The Kinsey research team, which I'm part of, provided the questions which were ultimately answered by over 3,000 women. Questions like, do you have better orgasms alone or with a partner? Is intercourse necessary for sexual satisfaction? Helen Gurley Brown is no doubt holding a vibrator and smiling down in approval. The information from the survey could fill pages and pages, and stay tuned for more reports coming out. But in this episode, I'm having a conversation with sex therapist Dr. Rachel Zarr, who was quoted extensively in the Cosmo article, and who is, as most of you know by now, my daughter. But before we get to that, I'm going to give you just a few of the statistics that were mentioned in the article. 57% of survey respondents say their libido is on the decline. 74% of survey respondents said that orgasms are just as good or better than ever. 57% of survey respondents say that sexual activity can be satisfying even if they don't come. 60% of survey respondents agree that intercourse is not necessary for a satisfying sexual experience. There was so much more, and you need to read the whole article. The link is in the program notes. But right now, I'm going to bring Dr. Rachel Zarin for another in our series of mother-daughter chats about sex. So I have a question for you, uh, because I've actually never asked you this before. When you were growing up, did you read Cosmo? Oh, my goodness. Of course. Well, Cosmo was the magazine that when you're going on an airplane, you always buy quick and easy articles, how to's, especially when you're a teenager and you don't know anything and all you have are questions. Cosmo was the place to go. But just to be clear, I did not buy Cosmo for you, but you did manage to get your hands on it. Yes, we teenagers had our ways, but I don't never coming to the house. All right, so, so what do you think about the fact that there's some teenager someplace who's now reading your comments about sex? I mean, how cool is that? 
Well, I don't know that teenagers are reading the Sex After 60 special issue, but... True, true. (laughs) That's very cool. And it's one of the things I love about this job is being able to promote sex positivity at any and every age. That's such an important point because when people talk to you or meet you, they immediately think because you are not in your 60s that the clients and people that you are helping and dealing with and and doing therapy with are significantly younger and and nothing could be further than the truth. One of your very first jobs was as a therapist in the Northwestern Medicine Center for Menopause, where you got an incredible amount of experience of sexuality in women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. So you were actually the perfect person for them to interview about your impression of of this research. So so let's jump in because what I'd like to do is take one of your many quotes and, and get you just to weigh in on it a little bit more, a little bit more. So sure. let's let's start with this one. This is directly from the article. Quote, what we have seen in those who remain sexually active after 60 is that they tend to report sex gets better with age, says Rachel Zarr, PhD, a sex therapist and licensed marriage and family therapist in Chicago. And the survey results prop that up. 60% of us who are having sex say yes, that we enjoy our hanky-panky just as much or more as we did 10 years ago. Talk a little bit more about that, about the fact that the people who remain sexually active, and that's a very specific group, say that sex is is even better. Why is it better with age? Well, I see that what tends to happen is that as folks age, they are often forced to rethink their sexual scripts, that kind of role that goes in our head around what's supposed to happen at what point when we're having sex. And what we tend to see is that for young folks where erections are very reliable, lubrication comes quickly, especially since we tend to get fed the narrative that the be all end all of sex is penis in vagina for those who are having sex with someone of the opposite sex. We tend to kind of rush to the finish line. And what that means is that we miss all the good stuff. So when someone gets really, really curious about sex at a young age and has a better, more fulfilling sex life, it tends to mean expanding our sexual scripts, slowing things down, focusing more on how does this feel in my body as opposed to how am I performing the act of sex? And if we don't do that at a younger age, and then we want to continue to be sexual as we age, we're almost forced to do that work later in life. You specifically state, though, what we've seen in those who remain sexually active after 60. So this is a very specific group because we know that there's a very large group that does not remain sexually active. And I love the the phrase that you use that the bodies become less reliable, forcing people to, as you say, slow down. And another quote that, that you have is what you call the inside out perspective on sex. Instead of looking down at yourself from the ceiling, putting yourself in your partner's head and wondering, do I look sexy? Am I performing properly? You're asking yourself things like, what does this feel like in my body right now? And that's a real paradigm shift because I think for for young women, they're so concerned about what is my partner going to think? Are they going to find me sexy? Are they going to find me appealing? Are they going to think that my tush is too big or my breasts are too saggy? And 
is what you're saying that people pay less attention to that kind of stuff as they get older? And is that because it's hopeless because their body's so saggy and they've got so much cellulite that they just rather not look? Or is it because they're more confident? Or why? Why do you see that shift? Well, I think, first of all, as I was saying before, this is true at any age, that the more embodied of an experience we're able to have, the better sex we're able to have. And I like to think of this idea as, you know, we tend to learn, and as a sex therapist, I tend to teach, to really advocate for what your body wants and needs, what feels good. If you're on the ceiling looking down, if you're in your partner's head thinking, "Uh uh-oh, what does this breast look like to him, right? Then all kinds of pleasurable things could be happening to your body and you'd be missing it, right? It doesn't matter what your partner is doing because you're not in your body enough to experience it. So the thing that I'd invite anyone anyone who's having sex, regardless of their age, to ask themselves is, and this is adapted from the great therapist, Esther Perel, but she asks, where are you when you're having sex? Are you in your head? Are you in your partner's head? Are you on the ceiling? Are you later in the day thinking about how many things you have to do um, in order to get dinner on the table? Or are you really present in your body? And the more you can shift your focus into your body, the better experience you're going to have. That all sounds great. I have a little bit of a different take on this. I think that when older women are having sex, they're generally having sex with older guys that first of all, the guys can't see so well. So women aren't as worried about what they look like because they know that he can't see it anyway. And the guy doesn't look so great either so that they can focus more on just what am I feeling? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think of that? Doctors are. I love that. I think I think that as we grow and change, there's something to be said for really thinking of ourselves as being sexy in the skin that we're in. And that exactly. partners, right? I mean, be able to look at our partner and find them sexy. And the truth is, I mean, think about this. If you have a partner, when you're having sex with them, you are not scrutinizing their wrinkles. You are not looking at the way that their skin hangs off of their body or, right, you are focused on if you're having a good experience you're focused on the way that they feel in your arms you're noticing the way that they touch you and i don't think because again at any age if we're having sex and we're scrutinizing the way that our partners look we're probably not having good sex do you think that it's the same whether someone's with a partner that they've had for a very long time versus a new partner because i think it's really easy to say, okay, I've been with this person for the last 30 years and we've grown older together and we know every wrinkle and we're not like going to fixate on all that stuff, as opposed to the woman who is 65, newly single, out there with a guy who's never seen her naked before. Don't you think that's a little different? I think that that's very different. And it's important. It's an important aspect of sex is that we fundamentally feel safe and safe being vulnerable. And that's what sex is. I mean, we're quite literally bearing our vulnerable skin to a new person. And it's really normal when we're in the early stages of being sexual with someone new, that anxiety is higher, that it is a little bit more difficult to really be fully present in our bodies. And that hopefully in good, safe relationships over time, there has been a developed sense of safety and comfortability with a partner. It's kind of a 
a double-edged sword in a way though, because there's something about that anxiety and that newness that can also be really erotic and exciting. So it's just about that balance and recognizing that like, okay, new partner, new energy might take a while to feel truly safe in that relationship and having sex with that person. And this is also where candlelight comes in. I'm just saying everybody looks better with candlelight, right? Well, I, you know, everybody is beautiful. No, again, but I mean, I, I mean I'm kidding. But the, the seriousness is, is, is no. it's exactly what you're saying is that you want to feel safe. You want to be comfortable. You don't want to be thinking about the fact that you do not have the perfect body anymore. And that it's really just about setting the stage for everyone feeling good about themselves. And whether it's wearing something beautiful and sexy or putting on nice music or candlelight, it's it's all part of it. As, as we get older, those kinds of things are important. Right. And to your point, it's not so much about changing the appearance of your body because there's something that's no longer attractive, quote unquote, about your body. It's about do these changes allow you to be more embodied as you're having sex? If you're so distracted by the lights being on that it's hard for you to focus on what is going on in my body, oh my goodness, dim the lights, light a candle, right? If you're so distracted by the way that your body hangs while you're having sex that it feels more comfortable to be wearing a bra okay, wear a bra. But the intention here isn't so that you look better to your partner. It's so that you're able to not be as distracted by it and be embodied, be fully present in the experience. Do I get to talk about one of my quotes now? One of my few quotes compared to your many quotes? Hoping that you did because you have so many wonderful things to say. In this I do. I have a lot to say, but in this article, there were just a few little quotes. But anyway, one of the things that they quoted me on is where they were talking about the concept that physical ability actually plays a role in this age group, certainly more than in the 20 to 30 year old age group. And my quote was, it's a myth that people who have the most sex live longer. People who are healthy tend to have sex Health is the biggest predictor of sexual activity. And I wanted to clarify that statement because what I was really trying to make the point is very often when you read magazine articles about health benefits of sex, and it says people that have more sex live longer. And the implication is that having sex makes people live longer. And it's actually the opposite. It's if someone is healthy they are more likely to have sex. Healthy people are more likely to live longer. So the sex isn't making someone healthy. The fact that someone is healthy and are liable to live longer is the same person who's going to have more sex. You know, someone who has terrible heart disease or who has lung problems is less likely to have sex and is also more likely to not live as long. Does that make sense? I thought it was confusing the way they put it. Did you think it was confusing? It does make sense. I think sometimes when we hear that there are health benefits to having sex, which there are, I mean, sex helps out with all kinds of things. It can help with stress reduction. It can help with sleep. We tend to hear it in the inverse that, uh oh, if I'm not having sex, it means that I'm not healthy and I'm going to die early. And that's not what this means, right? There are a lot of things that have benefits and are good for you. That doesn't mean that it's the only way to get those benefits or if you're not doing the thing, right? If you choose not to have sex, great. The idea of this article is that if you want to be having sex. Well, and I'm also not trying to say that people who are not healthy don't have sex. Of course they have sex. It was just the point that 
having sex is not going to make someone live longer. That's all. Another quote that was this is not our quote. This was from uh, Dr. Lori Watson. And she said, well, hormones play a role in orgasm. Nerve conduction is still intact. And then goes on to say that even without hormones, orgasms can be twice as powerful and talks about the fact that her own orgasms are so amazing and she shakes and cries and screams. And that's, that's great. But, but the, the thing that I want to add on to that is you and I have spent so much time talking about one of the problems with having an orgasm over the age of 60 is that for a lot of women, the clitoris does become less sensitive. And while she says nerve conduction is still intact, it's actually not the case for every woman, particularly women that have vascular problems or diabetes. So um, that's that's an important caveat. And a caveat, of course, that we're going to be talking a lot about in our book, Put the O Back in Mojo, which is a guide to post-menopause libido and orgasm. We're writing it together. Yay. I, you know, it's just the timing is so amazing because here we're writing this book and we're talking about this and they came out with this article which really addresses so many of the things that that we will be addressing, particularly for women who it's not coming so easily to. One of the things in this article is how many women are enjoying being sexual and doing different things and having uh, wonderful orgasms and this and that. And the, the point really of our book is really to help the woman that that's not the case. You know, for the women who things are going well, great but there are women that it's not going so well. And actually my only complaint about this article is I thought it was a little too positive. You know, that it was really celebrating the women that are having great sex and doing different things and that have figured out a way to be sexual and to enjoy their sexuality well over the age of 60. And obviously you and I both stand up and applaud that. And that's the work that we do. That's the goal. That's what we want. But I feel like they didn't really address the fact that there's a lot of women out there who are also having trouble. And did, what was your take on that? One of the things I loved about this article is that it's lovely to see examples of what it looks like when you do the work. To your point and to a lot of what we're saying is that adjusting your sexuality to meet where you are now. And most folks have to do this at several points throughout their life in new relationships as our bodies change, be it with having kids or gaining or losing weight or any kind of medical issues. And as we age, you really do need to do the work to grieve what you're leaving behind, right? Things do change. It's okay to say, I miss the sex that I was having in my 30s. Okay. And how are you going to embrace and accept your body now and have the best sex you possibly can? That's work, right? That is work. It's worthwhile work. And I think that's what this article shows. It's a different word than work. I know therapists use that word a lot, but it just sounds so boring and tedious. How about that's something that needs to be explored or I don't know, you're the therapist, but I just, it's a work, it's, it's such a therapy work and now you're a therapist. Okay. But you know, yeah. you have to work on it. It just makes it sound like you got to sweat and there's going to be dirt involved and, and it's going to be miserable. And I think of yeah. it as something that can be kind of fun. And you say that you, you say about that. This is a fun exploration and can we just call something other than work, please? 
And I don't, I don't see those things as mutually exclusive. This is fun, right? This is the idea of getting really, really curious about your body, getting really, really compassionate about your body. The thing that's really lovely about sex as you age, right, as you no longer either are a child or have children at home, is we kind of forget about play as something that's really, really important in terms of our well-being overall. Sex is adult play. It's yeah. supposed to feel playful. I like that. Play instead of work. Can we talk about play instead of work? <laughs> sure. And, and I do want to, to your point, like I think that we do have to hold that there is some heaviness around this, that it does take some grieving, some acceptance of change, maybe some some trauma that your body or your brain has been through. Like it can be hard work at the end. Yay, it is work that is fun and is all about creativity and pleasure, right? Well, and I think an and attitude, you know, another quote of yours that I loved was when you said, for a lot of folks, the sexual experience might not include an orgasm at all, observes Czar. One reaction to not climaxing might be, womp, womp, what a waste of time. But another option is to reframe your thinking as, that was the peak, and I can come down without having an intense orgasm. And in fact, in this survey, 57% of people who responded said that sexual activity is satisfying even if they don't come, even if there's no orgasm. So, I mean, you were certainly right on target with that. And again, putting it into a positive, positive light. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the whole concept of responsive desire. I'm going to read another quote of yours. Where if you enjoy some form of sexual stimuli, a background fantasy and erotic conversation enough, you'll become aroused. So when women say I have a lower libido, I don't want sex as frequently, often what they're saying is I don't have as much spontaneous desire. But are they opening themselves up to a responsive desire? I am so glad you said that because the number one issue that comes up in this age group is lack of libido. Women feel like they have to just be sitting there in the grocery store and suddenly decide that they just have to go home and have sex right now. And that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Let me explain it in a little bit of simpler terms, because I think a lot of folks aren't familiar with the phrase responsive and spontaneous desire. What we're thinking of is order of operations here. So does the wanting, right? I want to have sex. We tend to think that wanting needs to come before liking, right? I want sex. Therefore, when I have sex, I will like it. For folks with responsive desire, which is very normal, what has to happen is I like what's happening. Therefore, I want, right? We're reversing the order. I like what's happening. What's happening now feels sexy. Therefore, I want more. Instead of I want sex, therefore, I'm going to do the things that I like and that feel sexy. If we're opening ourselves up to doing the things that we know that we tend to like, that tend to feel sexual for ourselves, we might notice that the desire to have to have sex, the arousal comes later. It's really, really normal, especially for women of all ages. Um, it tends for folks of all genders um, to shift more towards responsive desire as we age. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's something that a lot of, for a lot of folks, especially uh, for women who are partnered with men, they'll notice that their male partner isn't initiating as much. And that's because men tend to be more accustomed to spontaneous desire. So when they're not having, you know, erections or like this big craving for sex, they just stop initiating. And it's if you're partnered with a man, it's important to recognize that they are likely shifting to responsive desire as well. And that that's something that you can work on together. Let's do the things that feel sexy, even if we're not feeling it, and see if it leads to wanting sex. Of course, with the safety that if it doesn't lead to wanting sex, we just stop. We do something else. We plug on the TV, right? That it doesn't feel like there's pressure to have sex that there's the option to if things feel sexy enough. That's a good way of thinking about it, not just in older adults, but also in long-term relationships. Because when someone's new in a relationship, there's a lot of sex and a lot of desire and libido is sky high. And then fast forward 15 years later, even if you still really like this person, there's just not going to be as much spontaneous desire. And I think a lot of the work that, that you do certainly is in helping couples that genuinely like each other, but they're just not thinking about sex, right? Absolutely. Think of that first date feeling where your date touches you on the knee and it's the sexiest thing that's ever happened. And then think of your partner touching you on the knee after 20 years of a relationship. (laughs) And you're like, you're touching my knee. Move over. Why are you in my space? Right? But it's that receptiveness, right? To say like, ooh, what does it feel like when my partner touches my knee? right? That's the work. And it's not hard, tough work. It's just kind of a shift in focus to like, oh, actually, that does feel nice, right? Maybe I want more touch, but it's got to be intentional. Overall, I thought this was a very well done article. It was really well researched. I thought it was well written. I will put the link to the article in the program notes because I think everyone should take a look at it. And my only complaint is in the article, nowhere did they mention that we were mother and daughter. I think that's so cool. They also didn't mention that we're writing a book together, which is also so cool. But beyond that, I thought they did a terrific job. Kudos to Cosmo for coming up with the idea. And of course, kudos to the team that I worked with at the Kinsey Institute that came up with the questions and did the analysis. It's it's really groundbreaking. It's really important. I think it's really interesting that Cosmo was the one to do it. Talk about coming full circle from, from your teen years. Yeah, what else think, did you do when you were a teenager that I didn't know about? No, just, well, I'm not, never mind. <laughs> um, no, but I think it's really, really important. For so long, folks outside of a very specific demographic lived on the margins of where research was done, right? And the fact that there's research that really focuses on folks over 60 and really leans into this idea that it is healthy to continue to be sexual until you die, right? Like this is really, really... And that sex is, is defined in different ways, particularly as you age. Exactly, exactly. And that that's not something that needs to be mourned. It's something that can be really celebrated and that we do need lots more research on this topic. So I love the marriage of the journalism with the research. The images in this article are really beautiful and mm-hmm. it's... Look. Yeah, no, it, it's terrific. And I was 
thrilled to participate and even more thrilled that we both got to participate. So thanks for jumping on and doing this quickie podcast episode because we had not planned this and I grabbed you away from something else. So thank you. Thank you. Of course. Anytime. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. See the light, now I'm sleeping through the night.